Greetings and welcome to the VF Corporation fourth quarter and full fiscal year 2021 earnings call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. A question and answer session will follow the formal presentation. If anyone should require operator assistance during the conference, please press star zero on your telephone keypad. As a reminder, this conference is being recorded. I would now like to turn the conference over to your host, Mr. Joe Alkire, Vice President of Investor Relations, Corporate Development, and Treasury for VF Corporation. Thank you. You may begin. Good morning, and welcome to VF Corporation's fourth quarter fiscal 2021 conference call. Participants on today's call will make forward-looking statements. These statements are based on current expectations and are subject to uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially. These uncertainties are detailed in documents filed regularly with the SEC. Unless otherwise noted, amounts referred to on today's call will be on an adjusted constant dollar basis, which we define in the press release that was issued this morning. We use adjusted constant dollar amounts as lead numbers in our discussion because we believe they more accurately represent the true operational performance and underlying results of our business. You may also hear us refer to reported amounts, which are in accordance with U.S. GAAP. Reconciliations of GAAP measures to adjusted amounts can be found in the supplemental financial tables included in the press release, which identify and quantify all excluded items and provide management's view of why this information is useful to investors. During the fourth quarter of 2020, the company determined that the occupational workwear business met the held for sale and discontinued operations accounting criteria. Accordingly, the company has reported the related assets and liabilities of the occupational workwear business in discontinued operations as of the date noted above and included the operating results of this business in discontinued operations for all periods presented. Unless otherwise noted, results presented on today's call are based on continuing operations. Joining me on today's call will be VF's Chairman, President, and Chief Executive Officer Steve Rendell and recently appointed Chief Financial Officer Matt Puckett. Following our prepared remarks, we'll open the call for questions. Steve? Thank you, Joe, and good morning, everyone. Welcome to our fourth quarter call. As always, I hope our comments today find you and your loved ones healthy and safe. As we conclude our fiscal 21 year, I'm proud of the way both VF and our people navigated what turned out to be one of the most disruptive years in our company's 122-year history. We didn't know how the pandemic would unfold, and we didn't know how long it would last. But we did know one thing. We were determined not just to survive the situation, but to capitalize on the moment, emerge even stronger, and position VF and our brands for the next chapter of growth and value creation. Thanks to the incredible resilience and agility of our people, combined with our early actions to preserve liquidity and protect our balance sheet, today I can say with confidence that VF is indeed emerging from this crisis as a stronger, smarter, and more focused enterprise. Throughout fiscal 21, our teams remain sharply focused on executing their plans, and we continue to invest in our brand's greatest opportunities to drive growth. As you all know, our organic portfolio had strong momentum heading into this crisis, delivering 9% revenue and 19% earnings growth through the first nine months of fiscal 20. All of the actions we've taken throughout fiscal 21 have been squarely focused on regaining the strong organic, organic momentum as we exit the pandemic. 
We also remain focused on driving inorganic growth by evolving our portfolio to align with near and long-term market opportunities. This is exactly what we did by acquiring Supreme in late 2020, which we believe will deliver significant value creation for VF shareholders in the years to come. In addition, we announced late last month that we've entered into a definitive agreement to sell our occupational workwear businesses. The sale of this business will provide greater financial flexibility to fuel the long-term strategic growth initiatives for our remaining portfolio. The continued effects of the pandemic forced an ongoing reaffirmation of our priorities. We've been actively working to accelerate our hyper-digital journey in fiscal 21 with continued focus on a central consumer data platform that's accessible to our brands and that enables them to understand consumers more deeply and to engage them in more meaningful and personal ways. And we leverage new technologies and processes to further digitize our go-to-market approach with advancements in 3D design and development, virtual product reviews, and digital printing capabilities that shorten production calendars and accelerate our ability to flow newness and innovation. We also kicked off Project Enable, a multi-year initiative to evolve our organizational design to ensure we have the right capabilities, resources, and talent in place to propel us forward. This work includes upskilling and reskilling parts of our workforce to equip, equip them with the know-how to thrive in a digital-first world. Project Enable will help us accelerate our business model transformation and reduce our global cost structure by about $125 million over three years. Along with our focus on business performance and advancing our strategy, we have remained determined to continue building our reputation as a purpose-led company that leads by example. We continue to activate our people-first approach through Fiscal 21. We prioritize the health and safety of our people worldwide and went to great lengths to support their financial well-being. I'm extremely proud to say that even during the darkest days of the crisis, when nearly all our stores around the world were closed for months on end, not one of our retail associates was laid off or furloughed because of the pandemic. We also continue to meet our commitments to the communities we serve and the planet we all share. Last year was a year of tremendous progress in our efforts around the world to advance environmental sustainability. We allocated the net proceeds from our 500 million euro green bond, the first in the apparel footwear industry, toward VF's eligible sustainable projects worldwide. Collectively, these projects are helping to deliver meaningful environmental benefits. In addition, we announced our goal to eliminate all single-use plastic packaging, including poly bags by 2025. Going forward, all remaining non-plastic packaging used by VF and our brands will originate from sustainable sources and be designed for reuse or recyclability. We also published our first human rights report in alignment with the United Nations Guiding Principles on Business and Human Rights. We're very proud of this work and we aim to continuously improve as we uphold human rights in all our operations and across our global supply chain. Beyond the global pandemic, other events of last year laid bare the pervasive racial and social economic injustices that plague our world, especially as they impact people of color. In response, VF and our brands took action to build on our inclusion and diversity work by establishing the Council to Advance Racial Equity, CARE. Although CARE is still young, we believe it will be a galvanizing force for our entire company as we take collective actions in the years ahead to fight for racial equity and social justice. Operating as a purpose-led company is not just the right thing to do. It is what our employees and our consumers expect. Brands are more than businesses which deliver product. 
They have the ability to influence positive movements within their communities. This builds deeper connectivity and engagement between our brand and their consumers, supporting long-term profitable relationships. We are a purpose-led and performance-driven organization. Transitioning to our financial results, I want to start with a few highlights from this past year. By any measure, the collective work of our associates to navigate Fiscal 21 was nothing short of remarkable. Despite unprecedented challenges from rolling virus surges and lockdowns globally, we were able to deliver global revenues of $9.2 billion and adjusted earnings per share of $1.31, in line with our outlook shared in January. Throughout the year, Digital in China propelled our business forward. Our D2C digital business delivered 55% organic growth, and when combined with pure play digital wholesale, our total digital business grew over 40% and accounted for nearly 30% of total revenue. These figures demonstrate how quickly the world turned online and how well our teams adapted to the new reality with incredible speed and agility. In fact, during a five-month period, our digital technology teams engineered homegrown solutions to enhance our e-commerce platform and stand up a new omni-channel capabilities, including buy online, pick up in store, ship from store, and reserve online buy in store programs. These new offerings further simplified the shopping experience for our consumers and enabled us to utilize retail inventory through our digital channels when stores were closed, all of which helped to generate around 50 million of incremental revenue this year. Our China business also remained consistently strong throughout fiscal 21, growing 20% and surpassing $1 billion in revenue and exceeding our long-term plan targets. We bolstered our China operations by appointing VF's first-ever President of Greater China, and we're in the process of restructuring our Asia-Pacific operations by moving our brand's regional center from Hong Kong to Shanghai. This will enable our brands to strengthen their income country presence and gain even deeper insights into our Chinese consumers. VF generated approximately $1 billion in free cash flow in fiscal 21 a testament to the resiliency of our portfolio and strong execution from our global teams. While many of our peers were forced to pause their dividend commitments, our strong balance sheet and command over free cash flow supported our ability to modestly raise our dividend this year, returning $760 million to shareholders. A key objective throughout this year was to exit fiscal 21 in a clean inventory position. I'm pleased to say that we ended this year with owned inventories down 18%, and our disciplined brand and marketplace management approach globally has resulted in clean inventory positions across channels. Turning to our outlook, as you saw in this morning's release, we expect fiscal 22 revenue to be about $11.8 billion, representing more than 25% growth. Excluding Supreme, this represents high single-digit organic revenue growth above prior peak fiscal 2020 levels. Said differently, We expect our big four brands to not only fully recover revenue lost during the pandemic, but to deliver strong growth relative to prior peak levels. Before getting into our fiscal 22 plan, I want to take a moment to address a a specific question which always is top of mind with this audience. What gives me confidence in Van's ability to reaccelerate and deliver on its forward growth commitments? Throughout the past year, the Van's conversation has been focused on the disruption caused by supply delays, the outsized impact of store closures, and the cumulative impact of inventory and marketing investment constraints. 
As we've consistently discussed, these issues are all short-term and episodic, which have no impact on the long-term runway for this brand. As we enter fiscal 22, there are several near-term catalysts which give me confidence in Van's ability to regain momentum and return to the low double-digit growth path we laid out in 2019. First, we know that the deep connectivity of Van stores and associates are a distinct competitive advantage for the brand. Our stores drive higher loyalty member enrollment, greater purchase frequency, and higher average order value. A return to in-store shopping will restore this advantage, growing the Vans community while driving a higher annual spend per consumer. Second, a return to normal social usage occasions will accelerate purchases from depressed levels the brand experienced during the pandemic. This is not just a return to in-person schooling for younger consumers. This is a return to seeing family and friends, dining out, attending concerts and sporting events, and traveling. We know Vans has remained top of mind for its core consumers who are ready to re-engage with the brand as they return to a normal cadence of lifestyle activities. And lastly, beginning next month, Vans will initiate a globally coordinated weekly drop cadence that marries both product and experiential demand creation to drive energy, excitement, and brand heat. A key learning from the past year has been the importance of flowing new product and associated storytelling to deepen engagement with existing consumers and attract new consumers to the brand. This will be accompanied by an elevated Vans.com experience to enhance the consumer journey around these exciting drops. While Vans is our largest brand, I don't want to lose sight of the momentum we're seeing across the remainder of our portfolio. As Matt will unpack shortly, our recovery this quarter and the strength of our fiscal 22 plan is broad-based. There is tremendous momentum at the North Face and Dickies, which we expect to accelerate. We believe Timberland has reached an important inflection point, and Supreme is off to a strong start, and its path for sustainable long-term growth and value creation could not be more clear. Taken together, I'm entering this year with a strong sense of optimism. We have a best-in-class portfolio of brands with momentum a leadership team across our brands and enterprise that possesses the skills and capabilities to lead our teams and to deliver on our commitments. There are tailwinds from both a strengthening consumer across the globe and in the categories where we are most present, and inventory levels are in good shape. Each of our brands are uniquely positioned to thrive in the coming year and return to their respective long-range plans as we emerge from this crisis as a stronger company. And now I'll turn it over to Matt. Good morning, everyone. And first, Steve, let me say how honored, excited, and appreciative I am to have the opportunity to serve as CFO of this amazing 122-year-old company. And to Scott, thank you for the many years of mentoring and encouraging and supporting my professional development. Rest assured, you've had an impact on VF that is immeasurable, and you will be missed by all, but by none more than me. Best wishes, my friend. So let me start with an overview of the operating environment across geographic regions. Starting with the Americas, the U.S. environment continues to improve with vaccine distribution, easing lockdown measures, and a strengthening consumer. We started Q4 with about 15% of our doors closed in the region, mostly in California. As we sit today, virtually all of these doors have reopened. While store traffic remains depressed, conversion and AUR have been strong and we have seen sequential improvement across the brick-and-mortar fleet, with a notable acceleration in March. 
Each of our largest brands returned a double-digit growth in the Americas, and our total D2C business increased 16%, led by 57% growth from digital. Wholesale channel inventories remain clean, particularly across outdoor categories, which will provide a strong backdrop to the U.S. wholesale business as we progress through fiscal 2022. In EMEA, the region has been impacted by rolling store closures throughout the entirety of fiscal 21 and our teams continued to navigate this disruption during Q4. We started the quarter with about half of our doors closed and finished the quarter with about 60% of doors closed. Key markets such as the UK and Germany were basically fully closed throughout the fourth quarter. Lockdowns are expected to ease beginning in May for most countries except Germany and France, although a slower start to vaccine rollouts will likely hinder the pace of recovery in the coming months. Despite this choppier brick and mortar recovery, our teams have continued to leverage digital, driving 99% growth in that channel during the period, with broad-based strength across the portfolio. Vans Digital increased 92%, the North Face 118%, and Timberland 122%. Our strong partnerships with digital partners such as ASOS and Zalando also delivered impressive growth, accelerating in the quarter. We expect strong underlying digital momentum to translate into accelerated growth in fiscal 2022. The APAC region has demonstrated incredible resiliency throughout the past year, led by Greater China and a strong consumer. Our Greater China business surpassed the 1 billion milestone in fiscal 21, growing 20%, capped off by 70% growth in Q4. Congratulations to our teams in the region for this important milestone. This represents nearly 25% growth over our fiscal 2019 Q4 revenue, the prior peak before the impact of COVID. All VF brands achieved growth in the region, led by 93% growth at the North Face and 107% growth at Dickies. We continue to view China as the leading indicator of the broader recovery in our business. And as our largest growth opportunity, we remain focused on maintaining momentum and continuing with investments focused toward our Distort to Asia strategy. The transition of our brand leadership teams and commercial operations to Shanghai is on track, which includes standing up a digital hub and establishing a consumer-centric structure that will help us transform and advance our capabilities serving greater China and the region. Globally, our supply chain teams continue to navigate port congestion, capacity constraints, transitory cost pressures, and elevated volatility across the network. Our teams are working tirelessly to minimize the impact of these challenges. However, we expect volatility and certain headwinds to continue for the foreseeable future. Fortunately, we have one of the strongest supply chains in the industry and are prepared for this challenge having successfully navigated the unprecedented disruption over the past year. Now, moving into our fourth quarter highlights. As you may have seen in this morning's release, our Q4 results benefited from a 53rd week in fiscal 2021. The impact of this was contemplated in our 2021 outlook shared in January. This benefit was magnified relative to Q4 due to the low base in the prior year and supply chain disruptions resulting from COVID-19. Importantly, this dynam dynamic is reflected in the fiscal 2022 plan growth rates we will cover shortly. DF delivered 19% growth in Q4, or 12% organic growth despite headwinds from supply chain disruptions and more extended lockdowns throughout Europe. The strength of our business was broad-based, with 16% growth from the big four brands and an acceleration from many of our emerging brands, highlighted by 53% growth from Ultra. 
In its first quarter with VF, the Supreme brand contributed over $140 million of revenue, exceeding our expectations. As expected, vans inflected positively, delivering 10% global growth as strength in the Americas and APAC regions more than offset larger-than-expected headwinds from store closures in Europe. Globally, vans have seen balanced momentum and performance across heritage and progression footwear. During Q4, skate high, authentic, and old-school heritage styles each grew double digits, while the Pro Skate and MTE progression lines each grew more than 30%. Apparel also performed well, including mid-teens growth in women. Vans' digital growth accelerated to 52%, including a growing contribution from omni-channel sales, which represented over 10% of digital revenue in the Americas. Vans stores also returned to growth globally after sequential quarterly improvement throughout fiscal 2021. Vans D2C consumers returned strongly during March, both in stores and online and across both existing and new consumers. The Vans Family Loyalty Program added 1.2 million members in the U.S. in the last four months and now has nearly 15 million enrolled globally. With the reopening of Vans store fleet, new membership growth has accelerated in March and April. The North Face delivered 23% growth, led by 56% growth in digital. TNF achieved double-digit growth across all regions and channels, as outdoor category tailwinds remain robust globally. From a product standpoint, the brand experienced relative strength from several on-mountain categories, including outerwear, led by our Future Light offering, and footwear, led by our new Vective line. We see continued validation of the brand's innovation engine recently highlighted in Outside Magazine's 2021 Summer Buyer's Guide, which features six products from the North Face, including Gear of the Year awards for two Vective products, awarded the best trail running and hiking shoes of 2021. Momentum at the North Face also extends to the brand's off-mountain product portfolio, with strength from logo wear and iconic franchises such as the Nupsi, which increased more than 75%. The brand also wrapped up the Gucci collab, with the largest earned media campaign in the North Face's history, with more than 17 billion impressions, yielding worldwide 100% sell-through of all collaboration outerwear. And lastly, due partially to an exceptionally strong first responder program throughout fiscal 2021, the North Face's digital business increased 63%, including 49% growth in new paid customers while adding 1.6 million in new loyalty members in the Americas. Timberland increased 19% with continued momentum behind outdoor footwear, apparel, Timberland Pro, and an accelerating classics business. Digital increased 96% with additional strength from key digital retail partners. The brand successfully rolled out several new product stories, including Greenstride, which has garnered strong early reads. Timberland delivered 54% global digital growth in fiscal 2021 and is entering this year with broad-based momentum across the product portfolio. Finally, Dickies increased 19%, with continued strength across regions, channels, and categories. The brand continued its strong performance in APAC, highlighted by more than 120% growth in Greater China. Work-inspired lifestyle product increased at a double-digit rate across all regions and represented 40% of total revenue. Despite headwinds from the pandemic, the brand delivered 7% growth in fiscal 2021 through strong execution against the strategic pillars of digital, China, and work-inspired product categories. Fourth quarter adjusted EPS was 27 cents, 
including a six cents contribution from Supreme, representing 89% organic growth and a strong start to our earnings recovery. Our liquidity remains strong as we ended the year with approximately $1.45 billion in cash and short-term investments and approximately $2.2 billion remaining undrawn on our revolver. As Steve referenced earlier, we've entered into a definitive agreement to sell our occupational work business to Redwood Capital Investments, which is expected to close in late Q1. This will provide an additional source of liquidity and further reduce our net leverage position. Moving now to our outlook for fiscal 2022. We expect total VF revenue to approximate $11.8 billion, representing about 28% growth from fiscal 21 and a low double-digit increase relative to our prior peak revenue in fiscal 2020. This includes approximately $600 million of supreme revenue. Ex excluding the supreme business, our fiscal 2022 outlook implies growth of about 23%, representing high single-digit growth relative to fiscal 2020. By brand, we expect vans to generate between 26 and 28% growth, representing a 7 to 9% increase relative to prior peak revenue. The North Face is expected to increase between 25 and 27%, representing 14 to 16% growth relative to fiscal 2020 and surpassing 3 billion in global brand revenue. We expect Timberland to increase between 16 and 18%, which implies revenue in line with prior peak levels. Lastly, we expect continued strength from Dickies, with growth accelerating to between 10 and 12%, which implies revenue up about 20% from fiscal 2020. By region, excluding Supreme, we expect Europe to increase about 30%, representing about 15% growth relative to prior peak revenue. We expect continued momentum in APAC, with close to 20% organic growth, led by ongoing strength in China, where we expect growth to exceed 20%. In the Americas, we expect organic revenue growth of greater than 20%. By channel, again excluding Supreme, we expect our D2C business to increase between 28 and 30%, including about 15% growth in digital. We expect approximately half of total VF revenue to come from D2C this year. And including pure play digital wholesale, we expect our total digital penetration in fiscal 2022 to exceed 30%. Finally, our wholesale business is expected to grow at a high teen rate, essentially recovering revenue lost over the past year and returning to prior peak levels. Moving down the P&L, we expect gross margin in excess of 56%, representing organic margins above prior peak levels. We expect an operating margin of about 12.8%, which implies high single-digit organic growth in our SG&A spend relative to fiscal 2020 levels. Now, let me take a moment and unpack our expected SG&A growth relative to those prior peak levels. A large piece of the growth relates to continued investment against our growth-focused strategic priorities. Relative to fiscal 20, our fiscal 22 plan assumes over 150 million of incremental investments in demand creation and our business model transformation to be more consumer-minded, retail-centric, and hyper-digital, which supports the strong growth commitments covered today. Other large drivers within SG&A are episodic to this year. A large piece of the growth is simply from foreign currency. Foreign currency translation represents about 20% of the expected dollar growth in SG&A. Another episodic piece of our SG&A growth relates to elevated distribution and freight. We are confident in our ability to mitigate these cost pressures over time, in addition to the strong pricing power our brands enjoy globally. However, higher costs will be a near-term headwind to profitability.
Moving forward, we see a path to SG&A leverage as we exit fiscal 2022. And given the composition of our portfolio today, we see, at minimum, a return to our long-term earnings algorithm from our 2024 plan, with strong gross margin expansion and SG&A leverage supporting investment optionality. To wrap up our fiscal 2022 P&L outlook, we expect our tax rate to approximate 15%, which brings us to earnings per share of about $3.05, including an expected $0.25 cents per share contribution from the Supreme Grant. Finally, we expect to generate over $1 billion in operating cash flow. Capital expenditures are planned to approximate $350 million. This includes the impact of growth investments, as well as deferred capital spending from fiscal 2021 as a result of COVID. There are no changes to our capital allocation priorities moving forward. Our strong balance sheet will continue to be a focus, and we expect to end fiscal 2022 with net leverage between 2.5 times and three times. We remain committed to growing our dividend. And as always, we will remain opportunistic with M&A and other capital allocation alternatives, which we will explore as appropriate. So in summary, we could, be, we could not be more pleased with how VF has navigated fiscal 2021. We fully executed on our plans in a challenging environment, driving digital growth, managing free cash flow, and investing in our organic business while evolving our portfolio to best position us for long-term value creation. As a result of the hard work throughout fiscal 21, we're exiting this year with broad-based momentum across the portfolio, and I'm very confident in VF's ability to drive accelerated growth into fiscal 22 and beyond. We will now turn the call over to the operator and take your questions. Thank you. At this time, we'll be conducting a question and answer session. If you'd like to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. A confirmation tone will indicate your line is in the question queue. You may press star 2 if you'd like to remove your question from the queue. For participants using speaker equipment, it may be necessary to pick up your handset before pressing the star keys. To allow for as many questions as possible this morning, we ask that you please keep to one question and one follow-up each. Our first question comes from the line of Aaron Murphy with Piper Sandler. Please proceed with your question. Great, thanks, good morning to you all, and Matt, congrats to your appointment to CFO. Um, I guess my question, uh, I guess for Steve, on Van, you know, you talked about in your prepared remarks on just some of the context of what gets you back to the long-term algo. Could you share a little bit more about this year specifically? I mean, you guided seven to 9% versus fiscal 2020. What are some of the levers that you could see that could drive potential upside towards that long-term algo? And then my follow-up is just on the digital growth. Um, as doors have uh, reopened here in April and then into May, what have you seen in digital? Thanks so much. Morning, Aaron. Thank you. Um, so, Van, um, clearly I hope through our, my remarks in my script, you all you know, noted just the confidence that we have and, and the momentum that we see building coming out of March into this year. Uh, we talked a lot about last year at the outsized impact that Vans um, incurred, you know, from the store closures, um, but also, you know, the, the disruption in inventory early and, uh, and the impact on marketing and the ability to really tell those stories. As we think about this year, um, as those stores reopen, the upside is, is, could be very significant. And uh, we, we know that, you know, these are a very powerful part of, of their connection to their consumers. Um, this is where we you know, really have, a, I think, a distinct competitive advantage. 
We have a higher loyalty member um, engagement. Um, we see higher purchase frequency um, and, uh, and a higher order value um, when our stores are up and running, and, uh, and that is paying off as we see the acceleration coming out of March and April. Um, but you can't discount at all, you know, this this kind of this you know return to some normal usage occasions and the impact that that will have on on consumers' uh, desire to purchase. We see that today, and then uh, this move to uh, you know a 50 week drop, 52 week drop cadence. That, you know, it's, I think what's significant about that, Aaron, is it, it, it could be less about the products that we're putting out in front of you every week because it could be just a story, um, but it's, it's, it's an engagement moment for us to reach out to our, our current consumers, attract new consumers, and, and really engage them um, in the brand's family and, uh, and drive that long-term consumer uh, loyalty. Um, the digital growth um, has been very, very important, uh, clearly, in this last year, um, and it will continue to be. Uh, for us, as, as we, you know, it will moderate for sure. Um, we're not sure where that will land. <clears throat> but I think the critical part for us is how we seamlessly connect our stores with our, um, our e-commerce environments and really, you know, create, you know, that, that engagement method uh, that we're, we're able to connect with you, communicate with you um, wherever you are and however you choose to engage with us. And you know, we have a, a new store in, in Milan, uh, the Orofici store um, is, is a test um, environment for us on a BF standpoint, um, using greater digital connectivity um, in-store, um, you know, opportunities to engage not only with, with content, um, but how we're able to service the consumer with a single view of inventory. Um, we think that going forward will be a, you know, a big advantage as well as we're able to prove it and then roll it out across um, our fleet. And clearly, Vans would be a big um, you know, user of that new new concept. Hey, hey Aaron. Um, this is Matt. And thank you for the uh, shout out and, uh, and, and happy to be here, obviously. I'll add, I'll add one thing to Steve's comment about Vans that uh, I, I think we've you know, that the group probably understands, but um, you think about the opportunity to see the business come back a little more quickly, especially in brick and mortar. We continue to remain disciplined as it relates to how we're, how we're supporting the business from an inventory standpoint. Uh, but the good news certainly for Vans is we've got the ability to get back into inventory pretty quickly there. So if we see that begin to move a little faster, especially the recovery of the brick and mortar side of the business, you know, we'll be able to support that. We'll be able to support uh, some level of upside there, given given the capabilities that we have relative to lead times and some, some of the quick turn things that we can do in Vans. So I think we're really confident in the plan we've laid out. Um, but also, if that looks to see a little bit more momentum than maybe what we've initially called, then uh, you know we'll have the opportunity to get after that as well. Great. Thank. Thank you both. Thank you. Aaron. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Michael Benetti with Credit Suisse. Please proceed with your question. Hey, guys. Um, I just wanted to um, ask you a quick one on the gross margin. Um, I, I guess in the in the quarter, just looking at your slides here, 170 basis points of a headwind from rate with 70 coming from FX. So I, I think the I think the, the math there is about 100 basis points from from markdowns in the quarter. I think in the, your inventories are clean, and we've seen pretty good full price selling in the market. So maybe you could just help us orient to where, if that's right, where you were seeing the markdowns in the quarter, which of the brands are, um, maybe how, how to think through that. And then just as we as we look ahead to you know get a little bit of sense of the confidence you have in the gross margin that you guided to for 22, um, maybe you could just give us a couple of thoughts on on 
on the components that that build to it um geography channel which i, I think would be headwinds um and then just a quick one on the sgna you said there's opportunity for leverage as you get back on your algorithm i think the september 19 plan embedded no sgna leverage so that did sound like a bit of a change to me if if so maybe just any thoughts on um what changed there yeah, Michael. Good morning. In terms of in terms of gross margin, I, th I think first of all, I'll, first off, I'll take you back to where we started um, this year. You know, we we went into the year and we said we were going to be really aggressive uh, to 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 end the year in a clean position uh, and end the year in a position of strength. And and we've done that. Um, you know, we've executed on our plan really really well in that regard. What we saw play out in the fourth quarter from a rate perspective. Um, as well, honestly, as we've seen play out through the year, has been right in line with our expectations. You have to remember some of some of the choices uh, that we made even last summer uh, to to emerge clean um, are impacting uh, what you saw play out in the fourth quarter, and we we certainly expected that. So, no 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 one brand, uh, no one channel uh, driving that, but but certainly the aggressive approach that we took to ending the year clean is is a big is a big element of that. The piece that, that has been more difficult for us to call through the year, honestly, has been the mix. Um, you know, we did end the year with our sort of normal kind of uh, 50 basis point impact on a, on a full year basis uh, from mix, uh, but we've seen some, some puts and takes there across the year because this has been obviously a, a really unique year in terms of trying to project and predict the, the mix of the business, in particular the brick and mortar component of our business, as we've seen that. Uh, be continually disrupted by store closures uh, throughout the year. So I think I think you know I think what you can what you can take away from that is we executed on our plan just as we intended to, and certainly there's been some variability because of the mix side. But in the end, uh, we we ended the year with inventories really clean, both both our own inventories but also with our retail partners, back down about 20% organically inventory for us, and that's really the thing that gives us the most confidence about about gross margins next year. When we look at uh, the mix of the business next year and returning back to a more typical and normal type of mix, a little more consistency in the business in terms of, in terms of how that will play out sort of quarter over quarter through the year, you know, we're confident in, in the, uh, the, the mix benefit that we've seen uh, historically will be there. Uh, it'll be there more consistently as we move through the year. And then so what you're going to see is a really nice snapback in terms of uh, the rate side of the, the rate side of the equation um, as we're as we're really going to be really really clean and really really lean in terms of managing the business uh, really starting right out of the gate here in the first quarter we do expect uh, actually a gross margin expansion in Q1 and as we said in our uh, prepared comments we expect uh, gross margins on a full year basis organically to be slightly above prior peak levels. In terms of in terms of SGNA, I think what we what we wanted to indicate there with with the forward look uh, is that yeah there's the, we have the ability to to see some leverage coming out of fiscal 22. You may remember at Beaver Creek we talked a lot about optionality and that's really the, still the point. Um, we'll have that leverage will give us the optionality to continue to invest uh, to support our biggest growth opportunities, whether it be demand creation or continue you know, driving our transformation. Um, so I think I think that's really the I don't think there's really any difference. It's just sort of maybe a nuance in terms of how you think about it. Leverage opportunity in parts of the SGA model and creating optionality to invest if we see opportunity to do so. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Adrian Yee with Barclays. Please proceed with your question. 
Yes, good morning. Thank you for all the details, as always. It's nice to see the VAND inflection, and my congrats to Matt as well. Um, I guess, you know, um, one of my questions is, you know, in terms of um, wholesale bookings and what you're seeing for the fall holiday shipment, given where the inventory is, how are you how do the, how does the, how does the bookings look first of all and are you building in some cushion and weeks of supply what's the strategy on chase given that everything we're sharing seems like the supply chain is likely to remain tight through year end and then i'll have a follow-up thank you very much hi Adrian. Thank, thank, thank you and good morning yeah in terms of in terms of order books i think yeah and it, it, first of all maybe just you know, stepping back a little bit, you know, the, the environment, I think, is, is becoming more typical. Um, and certainly the retailers are buying to support a recovery. Um, in, in our view, the approach has been prudent. Um, we think the assumptions are realistic and logical. And we're buying, we're buying right in line with that. We're buying to support the order book. Certainly there'll be, there'll be some opportunity to, to, do, to do a little bit more business there if, if, the, if the business is a little bit stronger. We continue to remain disciplined uh, in, our, in, our, in our posture. Um, you know, we, as we talked to you last year, we talked about looking at order books and then, and, then, and then cutting that a little bit in terms of our buy. That's not what we're doing now. We're back to a more typical approach. Uh, disciplined, uh, as you would expect, but, but buying to support the overall business. Um, there will be some supply chain disruption, um, certainly in the near term. There's some headwinds there. Um, however, you know, we've got, you know, I'm comforted by the fact that, that we've got the best supply chain in the industry and they're working you know, incredibly hard to, uh, to, to mitigate and navigate some of the challenges, as they have been, honestly, for the last 12 months. Um, you know, it's been really uh, an interesting time in the supply chain, as, as we all understand. Um, but we've got a lot of confidence in what we're doing, and right now, as, as we sit here today, not without some challenges, for sure, and some headwinds and even some, you know, some cost pressures, as I mentioned. Um, but our, our ability to support back to school and ultimately the holiday sell, selling season, we're really confident in what we're doing, and we, we feel that we'll be well-positioned there uh, from a marketplace perspective. Okay, that, that's great to hear. And then, Matt, my follow-up is on the fiscal 22, the 50% DTC target, what will be the retail-to-digital mix on that, and how much of the op margin comes from that sort of structural shift from wholesale to DTC? Thank you very much. Can you, Adrian, can you say the first part of that question again? If I if I if I got the numbers correctly, I thought fiscal 22 was going to be penetration of 50% DTC. Is that and and so my my question was what would be the mix of brick and mortar to the digital aspect of DTC? Yeah. Within that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we've we've said we, yeah. That's good. I got you. So the, the total DTC business, you know, roughly roughly half. Uh, and digital overall will be, um, you know, right around. I think our total owned uh, .com will be in the low 20s. Uh, and when you look at our Great. total digital business, including, you know, our wholesale partners, uh, our total digital business will be a little over 30%. Yep. Okay. Thank you very much, and best of luck. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Laurent Vasilescu. With Exane BNP Paribas, please proceed with your question. Well, good morning, and thanks for having me on the call. Um, and, and congrats, uh, Matt, uh, um, with your new responsibilities. Um, I wanted to ask about Supreme. Um, Supreme up to 600 million. Can you maybe parse out how you're expecting that to grow on a year-over-year -year basis or two-year stack basis? 
how do we think about seasonality for that $600 million uh, number? Because I think the brand goes dark twice a year. And, and, and Steve, any, any key learnings that you want to share as you have the name under your fold um, for the last few months? Hey, Laurent, Matt, I'll start with a, with a couple uh, things here on the, on the numbers side. And, and thank you, by the way. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say, first of all, we're really happy with, um, you know, the, the early performance of, of Supreme. We, we mentioned, you know, the, the strong number in, the, in, our, in our fiscal fourth quarter, which was, which was a little bit ahead of expectations. And, you know, we're not, we're not going to disclose uh, the pro forma growth rate of Supreme, but what I'll tell you, the $600 million is, is a little bit ahead of our expectations. Um, and, uh, again, we're, we're really confident in what we're seeing in the early days, both, both, both on the top line, but also uh, really through the P&L as well. And then, Laura, just, uh, real quick, this is Steve, on, on what we've learned. Um, you clearly, we're just a little over 100 days into the integration, which is going, you know, quite well. Um, but I think what, what we knew going in, and it's just been reaffirmed as we get to know the team, you know, better and better, is just the rigor, you know, that they apply to, to managing the, the Supreme brand. Um, you know, the ability, you know, and, uh, you know, just the approach they take um, to connecting with their consumers, the weekly drop model, um, you know, you know how they mix the different products, um, just, just the rigor and, uh, and deep, deep experience behind the, the management of the brand and the coordinated effort across the globe, um, which is what gives us confidence as they, as they begin to um, understand, you know, the VF uh, model and the VF capabilities, you know, that international uh, component that they'll now be able to, to reach into and, uh, and leverage um, uh, against their international growth strategies. Uh, we recently opened the Milan store and uh, you saw just great, great response from consumers, you know, despite, you know, Limited tourist traffic, you know, they're meeting the normal um, expected volumes um, on, a, on a weekly basis. So um, it, it's everything that we, you know, we thought it would be um, and uh, what we learned through diligence. And uh, we continue to be very confident in the long-term value creation opportunity that Supreme brings to VF and our shareholders. That's great to hear. And as a follow-up, Timberland, I, I know it's guided to be comparable to FY20. Understand the brand is in undergoing a transition, but you know, you recently brought in Susie Mulder to lead the brand. Can you talk about her vision and strategy for the brand? Are you seeing a boot trend emerging around the fall season? Um, is that a fair assessment, and can Timberland benefit? Yeah, so Susie's, uh, I think, day 33 or 34, um, and, uh, you know, just hit the ground running, um, you know, despite, you know, having to do that through a Zoom environment. It's interesting, you know, to watch new leaders join uh, teams and and wrap their arms around you know the business, but she's coming up to speed very very quickly, and I would tell you we don't anticipate any meaningful change to the direction, um, you know the strategic reset and the marketplace actions um, are, are largely behind us, and I think what you'll see is you know she will put her mark um, on how she you know looks to engage the team and, and drive the strategy, um, but I think uh, we're really you know positioned you know uh, with her leadership. For the next phase of growth, um, you know the boot trend. You know I think there is a boot trend for sure, but I think more importantly, there's an outdoor trend, and uh, we're seeing that represented in in our sell through. Uh, but the nice thing, Laurent, is it's you know our growth has been very balanced, and uh, we are not planning you know to see our classics business um, have outsized growth. And I think in fact between fiscal 20 and fiscal 22, we're planning it to be about flat. Um, but what we are seeing is nice uptick. 
in, in our outdoor business, um, in apparel, and even more importantly in pro. Um, you know, pro came through this last year uh, posting, you know, low single-digit growth and is poised to, uh, you know, to, to move to greater growth in fiscal 22. Um, but you're also seeing us evolve, you know, our, 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 our more lifestyle offering, um, the Bradstreet, True Cloud, you know, SolarWave, um, built on the, on the Greenstride platform. These are the, these are the things that we've been doing in the background to evolve um, and, uh, and balance out our product offer. Um, and it's coming with a, with a greater uh, capability and consumer engagement with our marketing um, as our new marketing leader comes up to speed and uh, is able to partner with the product team on uh, really telling the stories against that, that monthly flow of product. Very helpful. Thank you very much. Thank you. Our next question comes from Lyon of Camilla Lyon with BTIG. Please proceed with your questions. Uh, thank you. Um, and uh, Matt, I'll add my uh, welcome to the hot seat. Um, I uh, <laughs> wanted to first ask about um, guidance. If you could, you know, there's still a lot of moving parts to, to the year. Um, it seems like there's more of a replenishment happening at wholesale that's, that could be happening faster than on the typical cadence. Supply chain disruptions continue to mount. European doors are still closed. Could you give us some shape into how you think the year will unfold, maybe front half versus back half? I think that'd be very helpful, and then have a follow-up. Yeah, sure. Um, and thank you, Camillo. Um, I think you said it well. Um, it's it's a really difficult environment to uh, to project. Um, you know, certainly, I think it's it's we're in a better place than we've we've been as the, as the, the business is coming back up and and consumers are coming back uh, into stores. Um, but certainly, all the things you mentioned are, are, are top of mind for us. Um, we, we expect a continued sequential improvement really across the business, uh, you know, in particular in those parts of the business that uh, where consumers are back shopping in, in, a, uh, in a physical environment. And that's both our, our own stores as, as well as our wholesale partners. Uh, and so we're going to see that continue through the year, I think. Um, you know, every quarter, we expect that number to uh, to continue to improve, uh, and at the same time, we expect the strength in our in our digital business to to continue, given you know all the, the progress that we've seen there and and uh, you know, the good work that our teams have done. As it relates to just the numbers themselves, I think we I, I'll tell you we expect our, our first half revenue growth to be about 50 percent, um, and EPS uh, about a dollar 20. So obviously, we're lapping COVID lockdown. Um, and have, have a bit of an inorganic con contribution from Supreme uh, as part of that. Um, I, I'll remind you that for our first quarter is always, you know, seasonally our smallest quarter of the year. Um, so, you know, it, uh, it will, obviously that continues. But we do expect Q1 to be about double what it was last year. Um, and we do expect to return to profitability in Q1. That's great, color. Thank you for that, Matt. Um, and then, uh, Steve, I wanted to ask on China, um, if you could just give us some perspective on where the Vans business is today uh, from a size perspective. Uh, you talked about it being a, a billion-dollar brand, but maybe just from a, a, a market penetration perspective and how you see the, the growth path unfolding there, whether it's on a distribution uh, of doors basis or on a tiers of cities basis, anything that could help us understand the runway that you have in front of you, and then uh, any thoughts you could share on Supreme entering China and when that could uh, when that could happen. 
Thank you. Great. Hello. So, um, so our band's business, um, you know, in case, you know, I think it's true for all of our band uh, businesses, you know, this is it's where we have the largest runway. Um, that's why we really peg, you know, China as one of our, you know, strategic growth pillars. Now, Mark, our band's business there is just around, you know, 500 million. Yeah, um, a little over 500 million. And, um, you know, it's, what we see is just you know tremendous opportunity to grow beyond tier one cities into tier two, three, and four, um, um, but also you know clearly the you know the importance of the digital um, piece. I think the, the exciting you know opportunities in China for us is as our new leader Winnie um, is uh, you know getting more and more engaged is bringing the the consumer engagement skill sets that she has from prior uh, prior roles in CPG. And the partnership she has with uh, with the Titans, just strengthening what was already a very important part of our go-to-market strategy. She she brings the skill and the rigor uh, to make that an even more important uh, part of our strategy and how we use our stores um, to engage and tell those those in-person stories supported by the by the online uh, component. Um, but you know, I think there's. This is a very important market, um, not just for vans, but for every one of our businesses. And uh, showed very good growth last year, and uh, you know, positioned to continue to, to, you know, to have strong double-digit growth as we go into fiscal 22. And then on Supreme in China. Uh, on Supreme, yeah. So Supreme, as we get, uh, you know. The team, you know, engaged with our with our Asia platform. Uh, quite a bit of work is going on in just understanding, you know, the model and uh, how can we leverage our skills um, in region, but more importantly in China. Um, you won't see anything this year. It will come um, in, you know, probably you know next year and the year after is where you know, uh, you know that that work will be done. I think the the key here, you know, Camilo is is uh, is the Supreme's team ability to travel to the marketplace. You know, they been a tremendous amount of time, you know, um, understanding the consumer, um, finding their specific consumer, and then the store location, uh, which is how uh, we enter markets, um, is such a critical part of, of, of how they think about, you know, new market penetration. The, they need to be able to get in market. They need to be able to partner with our teams to begin to understand, um, you know, those, those key consumer markets and where best to put that first store. Um, and that that is one of the big drivers of why it won't be this year, but it'll be you know the years to come. That's that's really great to hear. Uh, thank you, and uh, congrats on the momentum. Uh, great, thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Matthew Boss with J.P. Morgan. Please proceed with your question. Great, thanks. Um, so, Steve, a key storyline that you've talked about pretty consistently during the pandemic was market share acceleration at North Face. So maybe could you just help unpack drivers of the 14 to 16% forecast for this year and just overall confidence in growth prospects for North Face as you see moving forward? Yeah. So North Face is, you know, really gaining momentum. You know, they're certainly um, benefiting, you know, from the outdoor trend, um, but they're also benefiting from, you know, the, the work being done over the last, you know, few years to, you know, strengthen our product pipeline, you know, strengthen our, our ability to engage uh, consumers with, with stronger um, demand creation. Um, and I think what you see here is, is really a, a strong momentum globally and it's really not just one thing, you know, on mountain. 
is, is really setting the tone and uh, the performance product um, has seen really good sell through and that's driving that off mountain lifestyle you know franchise you know growth that we see uh, building you know has been growing nicely in Europe um, we've seen that now you know really you know move its way into Asia really significant growth in China um, as as that consumer becomes more engaged with the outdoors and uh, the Winter Olympics becomes a, a big part of uh, of the China focus and we're you know right in the middle and being able to benefit from that but we're seeing you know really strong you know return to growth here in the US market um, and you know really witnessed, you know, with the strong holiday sell-through we saw here, not only in our own channels, but in wholesale. Um, the disciplined market management, uh, as we clean up distribution, strengthen key, you know, key wholesale partner uh, relationships, and balance, um, you know, the, the use of our own stores, our own digital platform, you know, to drive, you know, that on-mountain, off-mountain story. Uh, but I will tell you, we're, we're set up really well for fiscal 22. And, um, and we're expecting mid-team growth in fiscal 22 versus prior peak revenue. Um, but even more importantly, we're seeing, you know, mid-team profitability opportunity. Yeah, I'm just Brad, this is exactly the way we, we planned it. Um, you know, as we came through this year, we, the, our international business has remained incredibly strong. Um, you know, very impressive work that our teams are doing uh, across the globe. And what we saw in the Americas was as we as we you know pulled way back on inventory and we talked about you know you know creating uh, probably some scarcity in some cases and, and maybe even some missed revenue and, and we, we knew that would probably happen and in the North Face's case it, it, it absolutely did and that positions us really really well just you know just from a, from a math standpoint as you think about uh, you know coming back into fall winter next year uh, leaving leaving this year really clean and really low in some cases too low in inventories as we build back. And, and continue that strong sell through that we've been enjoying. So yeah, we're, we're, it's set up it's set up nicely. Great. And then just multi-year, could you just elaborate a little on drivers of the increased confidence to now, at a minimum, return to the long-term algorithm? So would this be greater revenue growth, higher gross margin mix accretion, or is this the sustained SG&A leverage? And feel free to say all of the above if it's applicable. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, you said it pretty well, maybe. But um, I, I think I think the, probably the thing that we're looking at is is the confidence that we that we we've had, but the broad-based strength of of all the brands. Um, uh, you know, we're coming into the year feeling feeling good about all the big brands, and we're seeing some really nice, uh, albeit you know smaller bases, really nice numbers in some of the emerging brands as well. So I think we're confident in that regard. I think just you know just in terms of again some of, some of the some of the other pieces, you know, you you think about um, I think we all recognize and acknowledge that bringing Supreme into the equation and taking occupational work out of the equation is is a benefit. Uh, we also know that uh, you know outsized growth in digital, outsized growth in China, you know, in a vacuum are going to be a benefit to us. Uh, you know, we're in the midst of a COVID recovery. Everything is, uh, you know, not everything is equal in that regard. We, we will see, you know, a continual improvement in our brick and mortar um, business over time, and probably even extending into fiscal 23. So there, there are puts and takes in there. But when you stack it all up, we feel really good about, uh, you know, as we begin to emerge. Um, you know, fully uh, over the next several quarters and looking beyond, you know, 22 into 23 and 24, you know, we're really confident in the overall algorithm um, and, uh, you know, comfortable saying that, uh, you know, we're committed to that at a minimum. And, 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 and I will say we, we recognize that uh, 
there's there's a need to, to update our LRP, our long-range plan, and, and, and we'll do that in the context of a full investor day at some point in, uh, you know, next calendar year. Great. Best of luck. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Bob Durbel with Guggenheim Securities. Please proceed with your question. Hi. Uh, good morning. Um, two questions for you. I think the first one is, you know, as, as you go to the weekly drop on vans, can you talk a little bit about the marketing plans in terms of how you're going to communicate that? You know, and and I guess if you know, I think the second question, just off of the marketing overall, you know, where do you see you know the levels of your marketing spend? You know, where did they end up this year, and 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 what sort of investments do you foresee in 22? Thanks. Good morning, Bob. I'll take the first half, and I'll let Matt you know, pay off the back um, second half of your question. So, I think the weekly drop. Uh, this is something Vance has, has been very well prepared for. I think what you see here is an opportunity for them to take a very deliberate and coordinated effort to to pull those stories together. And uh, and I think there's just a learning we've taken from this last year is the need uh, for that 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 more frequent you know touch you know to the consumer. And how we'll do that, you know, Bob. It's some, oftentimes it'll be a weekly uh, new new product story. You know, it could be a new style, could be a collab, could be a color of a of an existing franchise. Um, but there'll be very coordinated, um, you know, global launches of of these product stories. But there'll also be, you know, important moments just to engage, you know, you know, the consumer. You know, things like we've done with uh, foot the bill, you know, type, you know, engagements. You know, where where revenue. Um, is uh, supporting you know specialty stores and, and, and enforcing you know the, the local community connections that Vans has you know with their consumers. I think how you how we'll really drive that marketing. They'll will certainly be you know heavily you know focused towards online um, through our own you know direct engagement through social channels through through uh, you know email marketing. You know the power of the loyalty program. You know that now is about 15 million people. Um, and, and really engaging um, on opportunities, you know, that are unique to that particular consumer that they're able to access due to their their loyalty membership will be a very important part. But I think the in-store piece as well, both our stores and our, our key wholesale partners, um, that coordinated um, in-store, uh, you know, element of the demand creation and the experience linked to that online piece um, is that really that seamless integration that you hear us talk about and our teams are working diligently on, you know, being able to really sequence that appropriately. Yeah, in terms of, uh, Bob, good morning, in terms of the, the numbers, you know, certainly in fiscal uh, 21, our marketing levels have, have come down, uh, both in absolute terms as well as, as percent of revenue. And, we, you know, it's in a pretty significant way in the first half of the year as we pulled way back and then began to build back in Q3 and, in fact, in Q4 we're back we're back above prior year levels and pretty much in line with, with historical ratios. Um, we talked about, you know, the the, uh, the SG&A increase from 20 to 22 and the investments that we're making, uh, 150 million cumulatively. You know, a big piece of that is, is demand creation, um, and uh, and we're actually returning to uh, to levels that are are in line and actually probably modestly slightly higher from a ratio standpoint than what we ran in fiscal 20. Um, we, we remain focused on, on the highest ROI activities, very disciplined in our management of the, of the marketing as we've shifted more towards, towards digital. The good news there is you get really quick uh, 
uh, reads, uh, you know, in terms of the, the effectiveness of that marketing and the returns that it's driving and the ability to be to be much more dynamic in, in your ability to move and, and move those dollars around against things that are really driving uh, returns. And you, and you can see that uh, certainly much quicker than, than maybe uh, you could previously. So um, we're confident that, confident that the marketing we spend is going to drive returns, and, um, yeah, but certainly we're, we're leaning back in to support the, uh, the strong uh, you know, revenue recovery assumptions we have in our outlook. Got it. And, and then just like a follow-up question is, you know, with the you know, digestion of Supreme and, you know, the disposal of the, you know, the workwear business, um, where do you feel like you are on the ability to potentially do another acquisition or, you know, get back on that trail? And you know, how would you envision that maybe in, in terms of the timing in, in the future? Thanks. Yeah, so, well, we've, we've got a lot we're dealing with with Supreme in terms of the integration there. We're well, you know, we're past the 100-day mark or even, you know, well past the 100-day mark. So there's there's work to be done. Um, but uh, I think if you look at the uh, you know, sort of the balance sheet side of this, we're seeing um, as we as we return to sort of more more normal EBITDA levels this year and look at, look at our leverage position, um, and uh, the, uh, the we're focused on on leverage first and foremost to bring that leverage back in line, and we've got the ability to do that. We think we're going to exit this year, uh, taking into consideration some some debt uh, pay down opportunities with leverage back uh, net leverage uh, at two and a half to three times. And so, I think pretty quickly we'll have the ability to do that, uh, Bob. And certainly, uh, M&A remains our number one capital allocation priority. Uh, we're committed to our dividends, certainly, uh, but uh, nothing's changed in that regard from capital allocation. And we're, we'll be in a position as we move through the back half of this year to begin to be able to, to think more, uh, more meaningfully about that. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, our final question this morning comes from the line of Ike Borachow with Wells Fargo. Please proceed with your question. Hey, good morning, everyone, and welcome, Matt. Um, just two quick ones. Just, is there any more details on the Occupational Works sale price? Um, I'm just kind of curious on that. And then just understanding the uh, the markdown component of gross margin this year um, on the rate side, do you, clearly you're you're planning to, to capture back a lot of lost margin from last year, but are you planning to get that, that, that rate line uh, back above uh, fiscal 20 levels um, fully? I'm, I'm trying to understand how much you're, you're, you're expecting in that 56%. Um, uh, to kind of gain back this year. Thanks. Yeah, sure, sure. Right. Let me start with the second part of that question. Yeah, I mean, we, we expect you know most of that back. I think I think there, there's probably uh, you know there's there's still maybe a little bit of overhang in the way we've modeled the business um, uh, you know going forward. But generally speaking, we're pretty much back to normal levels from a, from a rate perspective as our as our assumption at the moment. As it relates to the occupational work sale, I'm not going to tell you the number. Uh, I'll tell you the proceeds will be pretty significant. Um, I think we did give some shaping in the uh, in the presentation, um, and we expect to end fiscal 22 with with about two billion in cash, inclusive of these proceeds. So, um, you know, other than the dividend, we've not assumed any share repo or debt repayment in our outlook for, for the fiscal. Got it. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Ike. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes our question and answer session. I'll turn the floor back to Mr. Rendell for any final comments. Great. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Um, enjoy the opportunity to, to walk you through our how we navigated last year 
um, and uh, help you understand where we're headed next year. I'll just tell you that you know the, the efforts we put in place, the now and next framework that we've talked about throughout the year has really positioned us well. And the acceleration we see coming through March into fiscal 22 and the broad-based momentum um, across our four big brands, um, the, you know, the addition of Supreme, uh, the strength of our international platform, specifically the strength of our, of our China business, and the investments you know, that, uh, that we've made you know, around really you know, connecting those, those stronger consumer um, you know, loyal relationships um, with the enhanced digital capabilities is positioning us extremely well uh, to accelerate and return to our pre-COVID growth rates. And I would just leave you with this. You know, as we, as we you know, work to, to complete the occupational work divestiture in the integration of, of Supreme and the investments across our portfolio, we now have an organic portfolio that's capable of delivering the high single-digit revenue and low, turn, low teens earnings growth um, on a sustainable basis. Uh, that we spoke to you about in Beaver Creek, and we and we look forward to being able to pay at, that off quarter by quarter um, through the next fiscal year. So thank you, and we look forward to talking to you all in July. Thank you. This concludes today's conference. You may disconnect your lines at this time. Thank you for your participation.